Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of DSLR Film New Podcast with Mitch. It's <laughs> a little bit weirder when we don't have the music to cue us in. I'm so used to that. So, Mitch, we've got a lot in the news, but the big, big, big one is the 5D Mark IV. But before we dive into that, what have you been up to, man? <laughs> I've been into the 5D Mark IV. Uh, been trying to figure out what to do about that and putting together a live show, which you and I did last night, along with my good friend Barry Anderson. Um, the biggest thing, though, of my life in the last two weeks has been dropping my two daughters off at college. So now I'm an empty nester. And, How does it feel? Uh, it's weird. Uh, although, I mean, it really hasn't hit yet because the last kind of event for my youngest daughter was the new student orientation. And part of that was... Uh, kind of like a commencement, the you know, end of the year, end of the four years thing. They'd actually do uh, something at the beginning. There's a big ceremony and all that kind of stuff. So we did that Wednesday morning. Um, and so now she's like officially at school. <laughs> and, and it's 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 different. Now, the good news is that both my daughters uh, are at separate universities, uh, but they're within 40 minutes of home. So coming home for weekends to do laundry is quite common. So it's not like they're totally far away. Uh, and I'm also volunteering at my youngest daughter's school to take photos of the band and the color guard because she's in that program. So I'll be over there, you know, every other week or so taking photos and stuff. So it's not like it's, it's not like we're totally empty nesters yet. <laughs> But it's 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 rather traumatic, uh, you know. You're said you're suddenly having to talk to your spouse again, and I mean, it sounds mean, but it's that's, different. It's very a weird different. experience. I, I mean, I guess yeah. I've never. I had a kid in my house for a week. And it was my wife's nephew, and it, it was just it ruined my entire life. Uh, changed the way things were happening. I did not like it at all. And uh, I don't mean kids don't ruin your life. Don't uh, no. have as no, many no, no, as you no. want. But uh, <laughs> for me, like the lifestyle change was way different and uh, very frustrating and uh, uh, not something I'm used to. So I don't know how you would transition back and forth between those safely. On It's not easy. On my end, Go. guys, uh, nothing extremely exciting. If you love green screen, uh, for the last um, month I've been working on a crap load of green screen. And it has been awful arguing with people about whether it should be day or whether it should be night or whether there should be lightning in the background or whether bokeh balls are enough for <laughs> what they want. Uh, you know, people change their mind and every time you have to go back and uh, change the palette. So very frustrating. Also, a uh, glimpse here. I don't know. I probably shouldn't show this, but no one is watching, so I'm going to show it anyway. Also got uh, uh, this thing here. We uh just finished up a monster flick. Look at this beautiful monster. Oh, this oh. Is, uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, so if you're into the monster <laughs> effects, uh, that's that's your sneak peek there. That short film uh, should be hitting the market here in about a month or so. I'm doing the last of the sound effects and uh, editing to go along with that well, shoot. Just, just going to ask you uh, whether that sound is done in post or whether that was recorded live. Oh, that's all post. Uh, I have yeah. an entire... 
a slew of cl- of sounds that I've crushed watermelons, uh, eaten apples, uh, squished. Uh, we filled up a bunch of pantyhose with Jello, and then just like slopped it about. And oh, nice! And you don't think about all those little bits. But uh, if you don't have them, that you, you saw her, the eating scene there. She's ripping right. the guts out of this corpse. It's very, very boring with, without sound effects. Without sound, yeah. And uh, I'm not going to get the, uh, the edit out to show you, but there's about 18 different layers of audio in that clip nice. uh, covering just the crackling of her teeth, uh, the, the breathing noises, the uh, guts being squished, all those things. And you watch these films before I go through and do all the sound, and it's like, they suck. And then you do the sound, and you're like, this is amazing. This is a great film. What did I create? This is awesome. <laughs> so I don't normally show my stuff on here, but that was your little sneak peek. I'm actually I'm, – I'm not actually supposed to show any of that, so uh, hopefully no one that's editing with me was watching. I could get in trouble for that. That might be a fine. Um, other than that, uh, you ready to dive into the news, Mitch? Absolutely, DJ. All right, let's go with something different. Pretend I'm singing the song right now. It's time for the news. (laughs) It's time for the news. It's time for the news. (laughs) On that note, the first thing on the list here is actually a camera. This is the camera of the day. Everybody is extremely excited about this. The 5D Mark IV. We all knew it was coming. Uh, The rumors were most correct uh, megapixel counts in the 30 range we've got 4k shooting although cropped at 1.74 uh motion jpeg oh my gosh my favorite thing in the entire world wish i could have more of that and a limit of 29 minutes and 59 seconds for recording now mitch before we dive completely into the specs first impressions we talked about this last night but i want to kind of reiterate that for the show what do you think of this camera uh well i've I'm first in line at my local camera shop, Schiller's. Uh, where's my cash register? Cha-ching! Cha-ching! Um, I'm excited about this. Uh, if 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 I needed it for my day job, Planet 5D, I would probably not buy it. Um, because the 5D Mark III does what I needed to do. I mean... And I still use my T4i periodically because it has the flippy dippy screen and I can see myself. So multiple tools are nice, uh, but I'm, I'm really excited about the enhancements for the still side of this much more than the video side because I typically am taking more stills than video. Um, if I were doing a lot more video reporting on Planet 5D, which I used to do, I'm not doing as much of that now. Uh, I'd, I'd probably not really need it for that upgrade because I've got other tools to do. Use it. Use so let's talk about tools. the, uh, photo, the photo updates, uh, here to this camera. Basically they've added a, a number of weird things. First and foremost, this one's the one that's been confusing a lot of people, the dual pixel raw, uh, image capture. Now this is a little bit weird. It makes it seem like it's capturing multiple focal lengths, but when we say multiple, it's literally just two different focal positions and a combination of calculations in between that. Mitch, you know a lot about this. You were very informative on the show last night. Tell me what this dual pixel raw actually means. If you switch this on and it is an option for stills it's not available in video so you can't use any of these there uh you have you end up with a raw image that's twice the size of the 
typical raw image that will come out of this. And you're talking about a 30 megapixel raw image standard and the dual pixel one will be 60 megabytes in size. That allows you in post-production in their DPP software, which is digital picture, well, I forgot what DPP stands Digital for, photo you know? professional. Thank you, gosh. Uh, it allows you to make these three different kinds of adjustments. And, and note, you can't do all three with the same image. You either do one or another. You can't do them all together, which is kind of frustrating as well. But the first one is a micro fine-tuned adjustment of focus. So if, you, if you're just slightly off on your focus, like you wanted the eyes of your model to be in focus, and maybe you got sort of the middle of her nose, then you can kind of fine-tune the adjustment of the focus. And I haven't, I'm not sure exactly how that works because I haven't seen a demonstration within DPP, but it's it's basically, if you think of it as like, oh, I kind of sort of, I was close, I was really close with the focus, but it wasn't exactly right. Uh, it's not like the Lytro where you can pick a focus point in the background and readjust to a focus point in the foreground or something like that. It's not anywhere close to that radical. It's just like a little micro, uh, let's say for example, you're doing um, macro photography and you just kind of miss a diamond like on the hand shot of the wedding or whatever. You can make those kind of adjustments, but it's nothing uh, outrageous. Like some, some of the websites I've seen are talking about it exactly like the Lytro and it's not anything like the Lytro. It's very small adjustments. The second one, has to do with um, the bokeh in the background. You can make the bokeh more blurry or, or more bubbly. Or, I'm not <laughs> sure what the right term is on that, but, but theoretically you're able to identify the bokeh in the background and have it be more blurry. And there's a little slider you can adjust there. And the third thing is to remove things like lens flare. Uh, and I shouldn't say the word remove, Reduce would be the word. Uh, you can reduce the amount of lens flare. And all of that is because you're taking both sides of the dual pixel. So in the, on the sensor, every pixel has actually two halves. And they're using the software that they had developed for focusing. And they're saying, holy cow, maybe we could use those dual pixels and be able to modify the image just slightly. Uh, and so they're taking that sort of mini parallax effect and being able to use that. And it's a, it's a great little feature that none of the other sensors on the planet have, right? Because nobody else has the dual picture technology. That's true. Right? And, uh, you know, if you think about lenses that have been problematic, like uh, some of Sigma's older non-art series lenses, uh, those have had microfocus adjustment issues that have been... Required to correct in the camera a lot of times, which is a pain in the butt. Um, Mitch, if you've ever done them, you've probably done this or tried to do it micro adjusting. Yeah. Oh my it's gosh. A pain in the butt. It is the worst. Yeah. And if you have a lens that hits most of the time, but occasionally just gives you a slightly out of focus shot, this sort of thing would probably be handy for you, especially if it's something where you're getting paid for it. Now, <laughs> doubling the size of the image means that your buffer <clears throat> is not going to last you nearly as long if you're trying to shoot and burst and I, I don't even know what right. does this do to burst mode does it drop it down to maybe like 4.3 like the live view or I, that's something that's a good like that? question i haven't i haven't seen anybody talk about that yet um it's a good question i don't know the answer 
I do know on the new 5D Mark IV in burst mode, it's seven frames per second with the live view off, but it drops to 4.3 frames per second with live view on. Now, to me, that may indicate that the live view is using the AF system, the uh, dual pixel AF, which to me, if that's the case, it might affect the dual pixel AF focusing micro focus adjustment right. as well um, right that may or may not be true so we'll have to wait and see on that but something definitely to think about now the other updates for photography uh now we have f8 focusing points across the entire uh, focus range so that's from almost corner to corner with that uh large square shaped pattern right uh does that, that yeah. sound about correct it's yeah, it's a it's actually a diamond, but okay. A diamond? Um, is it really a diamond? I thought it was more like uh, a a giant square yeah. with two little nubs wings on the end. Yeah, well, whatever it is. Uh, and 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 the question is, uh, which I still really actually don't have an answer. Um, and I think you were actually asking that in the in the top of the show notes about the red dot. Yeah, you know, you are always complaining about the lack of the red dot focus points in the viewfinder. Um, I I haven't quite gotten a clarification, and and some people say, yes, they're there, and the videos that I've seen uh, show it as still light gray and illuminating red when you're in focus. So what I'm what I'm really after is the 1DX focus points, which are all red, illuminated all the time. So you can see which ones become effective. Um, whether or not that's true or not, I don't. I don't know. I'm really curious to find that out, and maybe I'll find that out Monday when I talk to Bruce Dorn. Uh, early plug. Uh, we're going to do a live <laughs> webinar with uh, Canon Explorer of Light, Bruce Dorn. Uh, Monday, if you want to tune in on that, he is one of the guys that had one of the early 5D Mark IVs and did a video for Canon. So anyway, that's coming up as a little early tip. Now let's dive into the video features on the 5D Mark IV. This guy is got some of the stuff that you really want, but it doesn't have everything. Uh, first of nah. all, we've got uh, DCI 4K, which uh, if you're not familiar with that, that's uh, 4096 by 2160 compared to UHD, which is 3840 by 2160. So it's a little bit more, but uh, if you're going to release the standard 4K output for consumer use, your crop factor isn't actually going to be 1.74. It's going to be a little bit more like 1.78 or 1.8. And the crop factor, uh, in 4K, you are now limited to what is basically an APS-C-sized uh, viewing range, which is somewhat frustrating. You do have a full frame for 1080p still, so similar to the 5D Mark III. Uh, this is Motion JPEG, which is a horrible <laughs> compression <laughs> rate. Uh, it does give you 422 color space. Now, other than that, you know, I mentioned the recording limit of 29 minutes. Is there anything else exciting about this camera as far as uh, video is concerned, Mitch? Hmm, exciting. Um, and, and some, something that we didn't really talk about last night, uh, and that show is available on a replay. If you want to see it, just, um, we should throw that in the show, show notes. Yeah. I'll show the show. I'll shove a link in the show notes. If you want to go back and watch that, um, the crop factor, basically what they're doing, if I'm, if I understand this correctly, is they're actually 
for 4K, not using the full sensor, right? That's there, correct. It's a pixel-for-pixel pixel map. So one pixel equals one pixel on the 4K image. And so that's very different than what we're used to. And why are they doing that? We think it's because, well, two things, I guess, and, and we're guessing, right? One would be improved Jello, right? Wouldn't that give you improved Jello? Uh, yeah, a, a little bit, um, and it'll reduce more A as well, so both of those effects will, will be a little bit better. That'll be something interesting I'd like to test when I get mine. Um, but uh, the other reason for doing it is... I forgot. <laughs> it's just saying heat, right? No, no, it's not heat. Um, uh, processor speed, right? I don't know. I th Okay, do, do so... Think? Uh, am, am I incorrect in saying that the uh, a 1D, what, X Mark II, whatever, the, right. the I get the yeah. C and the X mixed up now because I was talking about the 1DC last night, but the <laughs> uh, the Mark II has a, a Digic 6 Plus processor as well. Is that, is that correct? So The 1D X Mark II actually has two of them. Oh, so maybe that's the trick. Uh, the, the issue here for me, and, and I think maybe, I could be wrong, but the way it looks, it appears is that the only reason Canon did this whole crop factor thing was to distinguish the 5D Mark IV from its bigger brother so that you're not... What? You're not rolling... You're not steamrolling over uh, the more expensive $6,900 camera that's out there right now. And so they wanted to have it so that this camera is separate from that camera. And by crop factoring the 4K image, you are basically creating a barrier. Well, you know, you love that full frame look. Gonna have to pay. Uh, that's gonna cost you yeah. three thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. <laughs> Jump on board, buddy. You know it's <laughs> it, that's what it looks like to me. And the crop factor isn't the end of the world. Now I complained about it last night when we were talking, but if you think about it, if it is using a center crop of the sensor, this does mean that any APS-C lenses that you're used to using for your old T two I T three I all the Rebel line of cameras would be available to you in 4k mode so one of the things that i always complained about with a crop factor camera is getting wide shots but really you could i mean and this is theoretical i haven't actually tested yet but i would right. think it would work is the 11 to 16 millimeter f28 from tokina which used to be my go-to for wide angle shots on a crop sensor camera would most likely work on this uh, because it is a center crop at uh, 1.74, 1.75, something like that. So you could get away with those lenses that have a native EOS mount uh, as opposed to, you know, Canon's APS-C lenses, which have a, a different mount than the normal Canon mount for full frame. So the third-party lenses may be the savior if you do want wide out of this in 4K. Now, Interesting. the issue here is, is a lot of us have fallen in love with full frame video. And right. you're not going to get that out of the 5D Mark IV. And Sony is already offering that in the A7S Mark II. So to me, the video features here, uh, other than, and let's exclude the, the touch screen and the touch focus for now, but other than those two things, it's less attractive of a camera for people who have traditionally been shooting uh, full-frame DSLRs and more attractive as a photography tool and right. as a secondary video tool when needed. Is that kind of your take on this, Mitch? Yeah, and and they could have done... 
they could have done so many more things. We we talked about this last night, and why we keep talking about last night's show, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, look at it. Nikon has the ability to have multiple crop factors on their video, right? And I yes. I've always thought that was a great idea. I mean, if Canon's already doing a crop for 4K. They know how to do it, right? So why couldn't they just say, all right, because that was one of the things a lot of people got really excited about when Magic Lantern hacked the 5D Mark III to be able to, to make a crop factor of like three, to be able to do you know, the, the, the sort of super zoom yeah. with the lenses you already have to, to take a smaller portion of the sensor and effectively give you these, these new focal lengths on lenses um, I thought that was pretty cool. And Nikon has that functionality. And Canon obviously knows how to do it because they've done it with this. So th there are, and this is where I know many people are frustrated. Uh, and I'm going to editorialize here. And I, and I kind of agree with them. They could have really hit a home run with the 5D Mark IV if they really, really wanted to. Uh, they could have done it with the 1DX Mark II. They really could have gone... Uh, and blown us all away with adding things like zebras. And I know we don't always need them in camera, but wouldn't it be nice if they were there? It's just freaking software. Come on. Uh, these crop factors could be something that they could put into place. They could give us multiple formats. Now, I do note that uh, they are giving you the option for, for 1080 video of either doing a .mov or .mp4. So they're throwing different wrappers at us. <laughs> uh, but what, you know, just, just take another leap forward, Canon. And I know it might cannibalize a few sales on your 1DX or your 1DC, but good golly, you guys are already killing the market. <sighs> uh, they went through so much trouble. They've, they've like redesigned every piece of the body. They've redesigned a lot of the functionality inside the camera. Uh, just take it a little step farther and give us something that's really sexy as opposed to just totally. Now, I'm still going to buy the dang thing, okay? Get, don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, but, but they really could have knocked it out of the park. And I don't, other than the fact that they want to protect their other cameras, I don't know of a reason why they didn't do that. Now, while you're talking about codecs, let's talk about that motion JPEG codec that I was uh, loathing early on in the show. Uh, motion JPEG is old as heck. It's, it's, it's a codec that's been around forever, and it's very, very inefficient. Um, the only saving grace is that you do have a color space of 422. It's still 8-bit, uh, but... The 500 megabits per second, don't let the megabytes fool you on this guy. Uh, it's the least efficient amount of megabytes used for a codec. So even though something like the Sony a7S Mark II has a 100 megabit codec in 4K mode, uh, you're still, other than the color space, you're in the ballpark and you're just wasting a lot of data on your memory card. And when I say wasting a lot, we're talking uh, four to five gigs a minute. Uh, shooting at motion JPEG 500 bits. So you're going to fill up a 128 gig card in maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes, depending on what you're shooting, how much motion and stuff is in the shot. And that is 
for me at least, it's not very acceptable. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to, if I go with this camera, which I did pre-order, by the way, and I may still cancel my pre-order. I've been hovering over the cancel uh, all, all night last night and today. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I may just say no thank you. You still have two weeks to think about it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that means, I mean, people are like, well, yes, you'll you'll get to keep your old memory cards. Great. You know, you have your old 128 gig memory cards. Well, these 128 gig memory cards are fast enough for the stuff I normally shoot, but they're not fast enough for 500 megabits per second. I'm going to have to upgrade regardless. And we're talking Lexar, you know, 1066 memory cards that are, you know, around $100 a pop or $200 a pop. And it's a little bit cheaper than the CFast cards, but the CFast cards keep doing this, and the uh-huh. the CF cards keep sort of maintaining their, their price range. So... I don't know. I was really frustrated to see the choice in memory selection and then the the 4K Kodak. And then the crop factor, when I found out about that, that was like a smack in the face. Now, on the positive side, one of the, the innovations in this camera that was not in the new 1DX Mark II is the touch to focus. The, the 1DX Mark II has the touch focus, but this has rack focus with 10 steps and it has full touchscreen integration for the menus. Now, what do you think about that? It, that sort of feels like a feature to me that's better than its big brother. Well, the I have to correct you because Uh-oh. the I mean you're it is improved in the 5D Mark IV, but the 1DX Mark II does have the touch to focus, and it has seven steps of the speed zoom, setting a speed zoom in the 5D Mark IV has 10 steps. So it is improved, but not significantly I, so. Wrong. It's a, depending upon how significant, but it, but you were saying that it doesn't have the touch to zoom. And I, and in fact, the 1DX Mark II does have the same functionality. Uh, so they have that brought that down. Huh? I messed that one up. That's okay. That's uh, how many times have I messed something up on this show, DJ? Oh, man. Lord, I am not perfect. Uh, but I want to jump right back to, and, and I think um, I think we've, I mean, the other thing, of course, is good that the, the LCD in the 5D Mark II, 5D Mark IV, <laughs> is they, they, they listened to me because I whined and complained uh, to them months ago when I had the opportunity. Uh, so it's all, it's all me. Of course, they wouldn't have done this without listening to me, right? So, yeah, right. Come on, Mitch. Uh, but the, the touchscreen is effective throughout the entire operating system. All the menus are, are available, which, bless their hearts, they did that right. Because if, if they hadn't done that, I wouldn't buy this camera. I'd be so pissed. Uh, but because the 1DX Mark II is crippled in that the the touch functionality only works inside the live view, which is really lame. I don't know what engineer thought that was brilliant. Uh, but jumping back to the stills really fast, because I know you want to move on to other stories because we're already well 20 in minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> um, 27 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, the... Uh, the stills on the still side, the shutter sound is lame. Yes, <laughs> I know that's a really whiny, bitchy, moany thing. Are you upset about uh, that motor that they put in there to quiet the shutter speed? They they have changed the motor system on the shut on the mirror release, and I don't like the sound. This 
from the samples I've heard, it's kind of wimpy. It doesn't sound <laughs> like a good freaking click of a DSLR. I thought that was a positive sounds, thing, though. Don't you it, not want yeah. to be the noticeable press person <laughs> in the background of a, 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 a big political speech going, you know? That, that's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course. And and most people will like it, but it just sounds a little wimpy if you ask me. That's okay. I can't really complain. So the last thing before we jump on to the next subject, the price of this camera, $3,499. Now let's compare it. Let's go and compare it to what's available right now. Yes, I agree. Definitely too high. The A7S Mark II, if you're a video shooter, is in the $2,900 range. The GH4, if you're going to deal with the crop factor anyway, is around $900 now for a GH4. Yow. The uh, Sony A6300, which is also capable of 4K, shoots at a 1.5 crop instead of a 1.74 crop, is around $990 and is way more adaptable to multiple lenses. How is Canon doing in this competition market? I mean, Sony's got three cameras that address whether you're a photographer, a filmmaker, or you want to go kind of in between with the A7R, the A7S, and the A7. Then they've got uh, the A6300, which is a surprisingly well-featured camera, albeit it gets hot in about 10 to 15 minutes and may very well burn (laughs) your arm. And the GH4, which is, uh, you know, an all-around decent camera and very, very attractively priced. Does this stand up to its competition? And especially with Photokina coming around, you know, this is the fastest turnaround from announcement to camera release I've ever seen from Canon. And in what September nineteenth, I think, is when they start making Photokina. September eighth, oh, right? September eighth is the release date of the five D Mark IV, which is what I thought you were going to. Oh I no! Apologize for interrupting. No, no but problem. Photokina is like the eighteenth. Yeah, the eighth. The Photokina is coming right around the corner, and it feels like Canon was trying to get ahead of the next wave of cameras that are going to be announced at Photokina, which. I'm expecting at least some Panasonic announcements. If not, maybe some J5. Exactly. You know, you're onto it. So, is this Canon trying to just get ahead of that because they want to sell as many cameras before even better cameras come out? My answer to that is, frankly, I don't think Canon gives a rat's patooey about those other brands. Uh, I think that they are, they know what their target market is. I've said this a million times on this show. Canon's good at marketing. They understand their market, their target market. This is aimed at all of those people that have the 5D Mark II or the 5D Mark III and are thinking about upgrading. This isn't a revolutionary camera. It's evolutionary. And yes, there are going to be people that are going to bail out to go Sony, but that's been true. People have been bailing, you know, I'm, I'm switching from Canon to Nikon. There, there is always, I mean, it's just like you and me. There are, believe it or not, there are people that don't like me, right? They, <laughs> I, you know, it's just a factor that everybody has to realize that there are going to be certain people that are going to be unhappy with your product and they're going to switch. Uh, their, Canon's aim is to go after the market they know and to sell a boatload of cameras to them. And that's what they're going to do with this camera. Um, I got a question for you. Okay. Speaking of Sony, and I, and I think I was, I almost said at the show last night, uh, I think that, that you might know the answer to this question, but is there anything preventing Sony 
because the, the one thing that keeps me from going to Sony is that I want to use my Canon lenses and I don't want to freaking use an adapter because I've burnt, I've been through all those adapters and they just suck. Uh, I mean, they work, but they're just not as good as a, a native thing. But is what if Sony put an EF mount on the A7S Mark III? Could they do that with uh, Canon? They could, Is yes. there licensing? No, okay, so the way all of these adapters work, and it's the reason that Sigma, Tamron, Tokina, and all these other brands are able to, or now Rokinon even, uh, are able to make Canon adaptable lenses is because they aren't copying Canon's design or uh, proprietary IP. They are reinventing it and, and accomplishing the same task a different way. So theoretically, Sony could come in and say okay um i'm gonna put this mount on here and i didn't use any of canon's technology to do this i just uh reverse engineered theirs and then came up with a new way to control the lenses is it gonna happen is it even likely i would say definitely not uh sony has been ramping up in the last uh six months to two years on the a7 uh line of cameras so the eos mount I mean, excuse me, not the EOS mount, the E mount, <laughs> e -mount. the EF full frame mount. They've been making a ton of new lenses. Uh, we've been getting really good primes, everything else. I don't think that'll happen. Now, what could happen, and this is a little bit more likely, is as Sony starts to close in on Canon, they could end up doing something like Sigma and creating a customized specialty adapter for Canon to Sony uh, lens adapting that gives you more control over the Canon lenses. Because as you said, Mitch, if you use one of the adapters, your Canon lenses focus slow, uh, if right. not at all. Sometimes they hunt for a while and, and it's not right. an enjoyable experience. It's fine if you were just trying to get something in focus and your subject isn't moving around, but for regular focus tracking, uh, nothing beats a native lens on the A7S Mark II versus a Canon, Canon lens. But if right. Sony were kind, and wanted to devote some research dollars, a $350 adapter that was made by Sony that utilized all of Sony's IP in camera and translated out to fairly fast, if not excellent, control of a Canon lens, that would that be would very be attractive. And, right. you know, you see the Sigma adapter, uh, people have been mixed reviews about it, but that was a significant improvement over some of the other adapters to go from Sony to Canon. Uh, I mean, Sony to Sigma's Canon adapted lenses. So if Sigma can do that and they don't have all the information that Sony has, then, you know, Sony mm -hmm. might be able to get an extra step up on those guys. Uh, will they do it? Uh, you know, Sony's a weird company. They uh -huh. they may end up making like seven of them, and each one will have a different label and do one minor different thing, and you won't know why or which one is which, and they'll just be distinguished by a number because they do wacky crap. <laughs> so I don't know. It probably won't happen. <laughs> but that would be my dream, I think. But speaking of Sony... Oh, man, we got Aren't some, they going to some... fix their menu system? Um, it's just leading in. All right, guys. How is that? This <laughs> is, uh, I don't think that this is going to happen in the near term, but uh, uh, Sony Alpha Rumors has long commented and sort of harassed Sony about uh, their menu system. And finally, uh, Sony actually set back a statement that says Sony is developing a new menu system, not the one you published as a mock-up. <laughs> the changes <laughs> are even more dramatic. Uh, so that was a statement from Sony. 
And if you've ever used a Sony camera, the frustrating thing is, A, you literally have to install software on the camera to get some features to work, which is mind-boggling. The menus are a pain in the butt. And while Sony offers all the features, finding those features in the menu and getting them set up can be a nightmare if you are on a deadline to get something done and you haven't used that feature before or in a while. I actually have a cheat sheet in my wallet when I need to do certain things on my (laughs) A7S because it's that complicated to figure out what freaking menu system it's in and where it's located and how to change it. Uh, So if Sony does that, that would be awesome. But my question, I guess, would be, and this is rhetorical because they're not going to answer it, uh, what cameras will this affect? Because if Sony comes out with a new menu system, that would be awesome. Uh, but are they only going to retroactively release that for the current Mark II line? Is it going to go back to the original A7 line? Are we going to see this in cameras moving forward? Will their compact cameras be affected? Because the menu sucks across the board for all Sony cameras. Great job, Sony. Uh, it's as bad as the PlayStation. Uh, it's, it's just <laughs> awful. Uh, I mean, Mitch, do you have anything to add to that? Because you've used other cameras before. Uh, their menu system's a little bit easier. Um none of them are really easy if you ask me um i'm obviously more familiar with the canon than i am anything else but when i was using the a7s um i i'm with you i really i couldn't find anything it didn't make any sense things were hidden all over the place and i I think i think operating systems ought to be done by apple Uh plug uh Yes, go ahead. Best menu system on the market. Look at that right there. It's a picture of a camera, and all of your camera settings are under the camera. It's a picture of Uh a video camera, and all your video settings are under that. That is how a menu system should be designed. And Panasonic, out of all of the uh, 4K compact DSLR-style cameras, mirrorless cameras, has one of the best menu systems in that category and it's really easy and user-friendly and makes a lot of freaking sense and uses pictures to tell you what to do uh, so if everybody could just copy panasonic please that would be yeah amazing by now, the way there was there was somebody uh if you go to the planet 5d plug uh article i did on the 5d mark IV yesterday which has a boatload of videos and stuff in there, somebody actually recorded all of the menus. So if you want to see what the menus are like in the 5D Mark IV, uh, you can go actually through the video and, and see all of the menu setups. And it's it's very similar to the 5D Mark III, of course, but that video's there if you want to see it. All right. One more complaint about Sony before we move on, and this cast is going actually longer than I expected. Let's talk ah. about the uh, the issue with the heatsink on the A7R mark two uh this came in from victor and he's sent me several messages about this so i figured we would talk about it uh trying to communicate back and forth with someone about a problem they're having with their camera doesn't always go as well so let's take a look at this really quick uh if you're familiar with uh the teardowns of the sony a7 through a7 s mark ii series you'll notice uh that the a7r is a little bit different it has this copper heat sink and the copper heat sink is because this is a what a 42 megapixel sensor, and so copper dissipates heat or a copper alloy, I should say, dissipates heat a lot better than some of the other heat sinks that are used. You'll notice in the A7 
S Mark II and A7 Mark II, they use a silver heat sink uh, that is some other composited metal material. Uh, this compound with the copper is a good thing and a bad thing. It dissipates heat, but as you'll notice, it's got two wings that go up to the top here on the viewfinder. Now, the issue here, if I can get the next picture to show up. Whoa, you gotta go a, the other direction. Here's a picture go of a cat. <laughs> Go the other direction. Oh, man. Go left. Mitch knows. I ran into that same problem last uh, night. Click in the wrong direction. So you'll see right here that uh, this has a ton of corrosion on it now. And there's a fine powder that's generated uh, on the copper as the copper corrodes. And after a while, that powder actually wicks up moisture and causes it to seep in to the sections of the circuit board, which eventually will permanently damage your camera. Uh this is an issue, and a number of people have, have been posting about it and complaining about it. And the the thing that they did wrong, there's two things. One, they didn't coat the uh, copper alloy with uh, uh, any kind of protective coating, which is a no-no. And two, they allowed it to leave the sealed area, which you see these two wings do. So the corrosion actually starts up here and then slowly works its way down into the rest of the camera. Now, right. this is an issue... Uh, but it's a very specific locational issue. Uh, the corrosion that you're seeing in those images is actually uh, not just moisture, uh, but it's a, a, a harsh environment. You need salt in order to uh, propagate that type of corrosion. So, uh, Mitch, I guess the question is, is this a big deal if you don't live on the ocean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to take your word for that one. Um, I don't know how many people have been reporting this kind of problem the one video that was was also linked uh to those reports was this young man who happens to live in hawaii uh who was reporting those and he 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 didn't know there was corrosion on the inside so i was a little confused about how that whole thing worked out but uh, his complaint was that he was getting horrible service from sony and they said that it was corrosion uh, on the outside of the camera because some of the screws had gotten a little corroded and he said well i live in hawaii and there's there's a lot of salt water and i have that problem but that's not the inside of the camera they eventually fixed the problem for him and and he seems to be happy now but that was one of the other issues that we've talked about before is it took him two months to get his camera back and swapping back and forth and uh so although you know a lot of people talk about moving from from canon to sony and i've said this before sony's uh the customer service hasn't been rated as highly as canon's uh so take that with a grain of salt i'm not gonna totally no, bash on them that's legitimate mitch uh, as a sony slash canon owner i've dealt with both and uh Canon will generally just say, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you, sir. We will take care of that for you right away. Would you like a spare camera in the meantime? I mean, I do pay $99 a year for that service, but they are extremely right. efficient and really nice and do a great job. With Sony, it's like, here, we're going to put you on hold for 15 minutes, and you're going to listen to some torture music, and then we're going to pass you through to, like, four people who can't really answer your question, and then you'll finally get somebody who's like, we'll send you an email on that, and then you have to click on a link and fill out a survey, and ah, yeah, it's not as comfortable of a situation. Yeah, I got a kick out of the young man who was made that video. Said he had he had timed his calls and he'd spent nine hours on the phone with Sony support. <laughs> and in those two months of trying to get his camera back, 
So <laughs> that's bad. Cheese and rice. That's nothing you'll ever get back, man. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. <sighs> well, and and the second the second thing I want to tell that young man, if he were listening, is because he kept talking about his ruining ruining his business because he was a professional photographer and he didn't have a camera. I'm like, okay, that's that's your first problem. You got to have a backup yeah. camera. You can't do photography or video with only one camera. Come on, you you just can't go there. You got to have two bodies because things are going to happen. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, this is again is is a common concern. If you are shooting in extreme environments, uh, Nikon and and Canon have been doing this for a long time. Their weather sealing is excellent. They do a great job, but it makes a bigger camera. The A7 line of cameras are much smaller and they're held together with a couple of screws and a lot of glue. And <laughs> that means that they're not going to be as weather sealed as Canon or Nikon. So in extreme environments, if you live in Hawaii, for example, if you live on the coast, uh, you might want to consider a different brand if you're going to be shooting outside in moisture a lot. My Canon cameras have taken seawater three or four different times and they still work. So, I mean, take that for what it is. I would never risk my A7S Mark II on the beach. Uh, my GH4 has taken seawater, and I think it would stand up better than my uh, my Sony. So there you go, guys. Uh, uh, hopefully that helps a few of you if you're running into your camera shutting down for some reason. Uh, I guess crack it open. There's actually an iFixit guide to tearing your camera apart if you want to look inside there. So yeah. check that out. Let's uh, not go there. Yeah. All right. One more thing here, I think, before we wrap up. No, we still got enough time. Let's talk about two more things. The first one is a camera that has LTE built into it. So... Mitch, have you ever lived that dream or had that dream of the 90s where you could stream <laughs> your entire life like a rom-com and, uh, and everybody will watch you on the internet uh, a, la, uh, a la the uh, old uh, watching the lady clean her house all day, topless, or a number of the other weird things that happened in the early to late 2000 or early to late 90s? Uh, that, that was a strange time. Uh, well, this camera will allow you to do that. Uh, for $430, you can slap a SIM card in here, uh, sign up for service, and stream 1080p from anywhere that you have cell phone service. It's basically a GoPro, an action cam, and it has streaming. Do we need this, Mitch? Yes, we obviously do. Um, I had a question for you because I was just talking to somebody last night about the Mevo. Do you know the Mevo? Uh, I think I do, actually. I, went I by put there. a link in there for you. I went by their uh, the booth at NAB, and uh, those guys uh, specialize in, like, custom rigs as well as the camera for streaming. They? Yeah, they have, like, this weird box with a touchscreen that's, like, a live switcher for nice. a streaming that's, like, a $7,000 a year rental service. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, never mind. The, the Mevo, though, that's the, the cool thing about that one, which I think you still have to sort of plug that thing in because it's i don't remember it being battery powered unless you bought like an extra like column or something like that to go with it but it, it was able to crop in on 4k and you were able to sort of pan and scan different points so the the mevo was cool in that nature but it's a subscription service as well so i think in order to utilize some of the streaming features oh you have yeah. to subscribe to their service uh, which again, and I believe the tethering is no. Wi-Fi, not uh, LTE. So the amount of travel you could get out of this may not be 
as good as cell phone service. Am I incorrect well, in any of those statements? I I don't know enough about it to be frank uh, with you. I just know that a friend of mine was saying he'd gotten a Mevo and he was going to do three or four. Uh, Amazon says stream live to your customers, fans, and friends from virtually anywhere with Wi-Fi or LTE. So Mevo supports LTE too. Hmm. Uh, the thing that that is mentioned about the Mevo is that it's Facebook's live compatible. So if you wanted to do live streaming with Facebook live, as opposed to uh, this CO, I don't even know how to say this. Do you know how to say this? <laughs> no, CIOI, CIOI, maybe your, CIOI, your guess is uh, as good as mine. It talks about they have their own cloud live streaming service, which is available at no cost. Um, but they don't have any indication that, that they can do um, – I mean, I don't even see Wi-Fi listed here. So no, it's strictly LTE. Yeah, uh, this is. I I actually saw while we were at NAB this year, I saw five different companies that were demoing previews of cameras like this that you basically popped the SIM card in and started live broadcasting. And many of them had this weird thing where they wanted you to either subscribe or become part of their thing or whatever but a few of them were just like here's the raw feed you know figure out how to hook it onto something else and send away so i guess if you're doing live events or something like that having multiple cameras like this or in that case if you're doing a live event the mevo would probably be a better play for you because you're trying to cut between scenes but this i guess you know maybe you want to film yourself skydiving and you want everybody to watch it live (laughs) maybe that's what you do i don't know Bud, uh, a budget-friendly version. I don't, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Apparently, people want to do more live video than I certainly want to do. I mean, I don't, um, I don't, at some point though, it's like you have a cell phone that's capable of live streaming video. It already has an LTE card in it. This camera isn't going to be significantly better than your cell phone, depending on you know a four hundred thirty dollar price tag. You could basically buy a. a a S7 Samsung phone and be good to go. So if you're going to stream, I guess maybe just use your cell phone, you know, put it in some sort of protective case. But the cell phone, you're paying for cell service, aren't you? This, I mean, this basically implies to me that you can use their LTE streaming for no extra charge. No, so you still, it's unlocked LTE. So you still have to pay for a data service to use with this and stick a sim card in there so it's it, now it, it, maybe i mean it says right here sio cloud live basic streaming service included at no extra cost yes yeah, so that's the end stri- infrastructure <laughs> connecting to their their device you still have so to throw a, an lte card uh, you know sim card in here I'm pretty sure. Like, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna throw this to you guys, you <laughs> folks out there. If you find out that I'm wrong, uh, go ahead and just start, you know, typing frantically in the YouTube comments. <laughs> DJ's wrong. DJ's wrong. DJ's wrong. But I'm pretty sure you got to pay for your service to go with this guy. Uh, it's an interesting concept. I like the idea of live streaming uh, in theory, but I don't really know what I would. 
I would do with something like this. So if you have a good idea for it, let me know. Uh, maybe testing food, you know, first first bite of this new sandwich that's never been eaten before, or you know, you're you're doing the, the first thing that no one else has ever done. Maybe that's a great thing to live stream. Well, I I think there are there are certain events like, for example, I went to watch um, my daughter and do some photography the other day about I was telling you about the color guard that she's in. Yeah. And my wife was at home and she's like, well, do some FaceTime living or Facebook live so I can see what's going on. You know, if if she's willing to sit there, I mean, if I if I had this device and I just put it on the drum major's stand, she could see what was going on. And maybe she would be watching and maybe she wouldn't, but at least she'd have access to it. Right. That's true. Um, so maybe for things like that, if people want to be, you know, if you got grandparents that can't maybe make it to a show or the kids or something and you can stream it live, then maybe that would be good. It's not necessarily, I don't necessarily want to stream my life like you were talking about those life streamers before, <laughs> but yeah, I can, I can see certain functionality because I didn't want to tie up my phone or leave it sitting there or whatever, but maybe a separate device would make sense in certain situations. Yeah, and and I'm joking, guys. There are tons of things that you could you could think of that would be great for uh, uh, live streaming uh, concerts or, or examples. Uh, you know, any events that are really cool uh, stuff you're doing. You know, eating contests. I don't know why I keep focusing on eating today, <laughs> but uh, I haven't had breakfast yet. Uh, so either it's cool. It's 4:30. If you want one, there you go. If you don't want to use your cell phone, instead you want to use a dedicated device, uh, LTE service. Maybe you could pop your SIM card out of your phone and put it in there? I don't know. Uh, it's still kind of up in the air. There's not a lot of reviews on this stuff. Uh, the Mevo itself, I'm pretty sure, requires a subscription. So, again, correct me if I'm wrong on that, guys. Uh, I do tend to get things wrong occasionally. <laughs> we all do. Last thing all right. on the list here before we get out of here, let's talk about the Pluto. This guy oh, looks kind of cool. Oh, wait, it's a dwarf planet. Is it dwarf oh. planet? No, 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 not Pluto the planet. This is Pluto, the button activated trigger system for your DSLR or other cameras. And in fact, this one actually supports a crap load of different connector types. So you could use this with any number of cameras or even build your own if you want to. Uh, basically, this is a trigger system that allows you to do some really cool stuff, including remote control shooting, uh, trigger for lightning, trigger for sound, trigger for laser beams. Uh, trigger for motion, trigger for IR, and uh, do time lapse as well as HDR and other controls. And it's priced at about $110 for the base unit and an extra 5 to $10 for the cord, depending on what you need. This thing's fairly sexy, pretty adorable. What do you think, Mitch? Uh, do you use a trigger, first of all, and what do you use it for if you do? Uh, trigger was a horse. Um on one of those old shows, never mind. <laughs> Bonanza? Um, Is that where we're, we're going? No, I don't, I don't remember what the show that was. Anyway, and I'm sure we'll hear about it in the Facebook, uh, YouTube comments. Uh, I, I've, I've toyed with the idea of doing something like this. Uh, I, I remember back in the days of film photography, trying to take photos of lightning and <laughs> wasting photo after photo of just black sky because I my finger wasn't good enough to hit the trigger at the right time. Uh, 
I think the bulb ramping capabilities of this on light uh, on time lapses is fairly interesting. There are other devices that do that. I also know there's a company called Trigger Trap that has a fairly similar device, uh, which is I think forty five fifty bucks. So you might want to look into that uh, as well. TriggerTrap.com has has that as an option. The link that you posted to the review on um, Petapixel is a very interesting review. Uh, very optimistic, positive review. The only complaint that this guy had was the battery. I don't know if you read through the whole thing, but apparently the Pluto battery isn't removable or exchangeable, so you may end up, if it doesn't last very long, uh, you know, in terms of Slowly the dying life of the while. battery. Yeah. Uh, you're going to end up having to buy a whole new device because it's not replaceable, but I I. It's fascinating uh, the the amount of things that we have available to us now that we didn't have before. Uh, in terms of things like this, uh, I remember a company sent me a, a review copy of an external device uh, that was for doing time lapse, and you had to set bits and bytes on the back with flips and switches in order Ooh. to do things. And I was like, "Uh, this is way too complicated for me to try to set up a time lapse." And now you here you are with this this device or the trigger trap, and you've got an iPhone app that goes with it that calculates you know all your timings and all that other stuff. Uh, so, so, no, I don't currently have one, but I I think they're interesting devices and could be used for many things. So while we're talking about lightning, I just wanted to show you uh, my secret trick for shooting lightning, and I've got a few shots here. But you'll notice there's a bunch of you know bad takes that are in there before I actually get the good one. Uh, I generally will take out a camera with an extremely high burst mode. And as soon as I hear the thunder, I'll just press the trigger continuously until the lightning fires. And I generally end up with pretty good shots. These are all uh, from the front porch of my home and uh, around my neighborhood uh, when I lived in Nebraska. And uh, you nice. can see there's some dark shots. I don't know. Oh, there's a, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but, that's pretty dark. But uh, yeah, you know, the, that's actually a really great feature if you have a camera with a burst mode is just holding the trigger down as soon as you hear thunder. And then you'll uh, most likely get lightning I, if it shows up. Uh, well, and, I, and, and if I may, DJ. I'm not an expert, light, by the way. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the sound travels more slowly than light does, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna debunk your theory here. Uh, so the sound that you hear from thunder comes after the lightning strike. So if you're happening to get lightning, I'm just doing it backwards. Based on it, yeah, you're doing it backwards, and you're getting lucky, is what you're doing. Oh man! <laughs> so uh, you've ruined all so, of my dreams here, Mitch. I'm. I'm uh, I debated about whether saying anything, but then I thought, well, people might actually go out and try, try that. that. I mean, it, and, and it, it doesn't obviously work. works for you. It depends. I mean, if if you're looking, if you're in a thunderstorm that has one lightning burst every minute, let's just exaggerate it, right? And so the lightning goes off, and then the thunder comes three to six seconds later, depending upon how close it was to you. And you start doing a burst. Well, you're not going to get another lightning strike for a minute, right? So you're yeah. You're you're gonna miss out, and you're gonna get a bunch of. But if if the lightning strikes are 
every three seconds, then your theory works really well because the light, you hear the thunder and you're like, oh, well, I'll start doing a burst and then you'll get something. So it, it just depends upon the frequency of the lightning is what really happens here. Yeah, and those so shots... Uh... You're locking into it. If you're in Nebraska, uh, thunderstorms are generally very dramatic, and uh, yes. those were strikes that were very close in. Several trees were started on fire, and uh, buildings were damaged, and so on. Uh, and I was simply able to stand outside, you know, uh, shutter speed, <laughs> firing off, and and got twenty or thirty amazing lightning shots in one night. And I was literally just pushing the button when I heard thunder. It, Maybe they were close enough that I was, you know, within right. range. Uh, uh-huh. I've never tried to do long distance thunder on a, you know, empty field or anything like that, or lightning on an empty field. So uh, that's interesting. And I really like triggers like this, especially for the price. It's it's always fun to go out and experiment with uh, photography, even though that's not my primary uh, line of work. It's still cool to, you know, do some star trails or do some lightning yeah. or, you know, uh, do some long exposure with some flashes in the moonlight. Uh, those sorts of things are interesting and neat. And a tool like this uh, gives you a lot of options to be creative if you have the yes. time or an evening to spend with it. Uh, the battery life, you're right, Mitch. But uh, one thing I noticed on there is that it does have a USB charging port. I would I would think it wouldn't be very complicated to simply tack an extra USB battery onto this thing to keep it going for extended periods of time. That's good thought. So I don't know. So something to think about. Interesting little tool. Uh, one more thing, Mitch. You have a giveaway this week. I don't. You don't. Oh man, I threw no. that to you for no reason. <laughs> Uh, we will have one starting next week, though, so let's let's keep that in there. Uh, but um, we have give, several giveaways scheduled between now and Christmas, so keep looking eye out for that. Um, but no, thanks for the throw over there. I don't have one this week. All we'll right. Start. Well, last yeah. thing, then. it'll be syrup. You want to mention your uh, your oh, upcoming webinar events? again? Yes, Bruce Dorn. Uh, Awesome guy, does a lot of training for Canon. Uh, if you're watching the live stream, you can see the video that he did for the 5D Mark IV. And he was specifically tasked in that video to go sh- uh, do what we didn't talk about about the 5D Mark IV is the fact that it does 4K stills. So, so you can pull a frame grab out of the video uh, in inside the camera. So that was one of the things he was asked to do for canon in the release so anyway bruce and his team will be available on monday we're going to do a live webinar we're going to talk to him about the 5d mark IV. so he's had his hands on currently still has one and is shooting with it making some awesome stuff uh, so if you want to talk to somebody who has the 5d mark IV, if you have questions if we haven't totally talked about every possibility here on this show or the show from last night uh, please go to planet5d.com slash webinar and sign up for that, and you will be notified. The only reason we're, we're asking for your email address is to simply notify you that the webinar is going to start. Uh, we're not going to use it for other things. We'll throw those email addresses away at the end of the webinar. So don't be afraid that I'm going to start spamming you or anything else. But that's just there to let you. We send you a couple of reminder emails that will remind you between now and Monday that the thing's going to go off. But uh, Bruce is a fabulous guy. He's he's really, he's really funny because he was actually on the the one we did last night. He 
signed, he messaged me and he said, Hey, should I show up for that thing? He said, uh, and, and if I happen to not be there, it's because I'm in the hospital with a broken leg. What? I said, what? He said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just teasing you, Mitch. I, you fell for it. Oh, Bruce. <laughs> so he's, he's a real jokester. Uh, it's entertaining if you want to see, uh, and if, and if you were to try to come on and, and start telling him how great Sony is, uh, that's not going to happen. So <laughs> don't come in and try to. <laughs> be one of those people but uh he loves his canons he 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 does happen to get paid by canon for doing some stuff so there is that caveat to it but uh monday one o'clock eastern time is that planet5d.com slash webinar is the sign up link awesome thanks well be sure to check that out guys uh you can find this podcast on soundcloud itunes and anywhere podcasts are distributed you can find me at DSLRFilmNoob.com and on Twitter at DSLRFilmNoob. You can find Mitch where? Planet5D.com, PlanetMitch.com, PlanetMitch on Twitter, PlanetMitch on Facebook, PlanetMitch on every social media site known to man because I've used a tool that will sign me up to all of them. And this, of course, is the part where I would play you out with music <laughs> had I had a sampler to play you <laughs> out <laughs> with. So, uh, Here, I got one. Can, oh, you hear my, can yeah. you hear my sound effects? Lay it on can me, you- man. You heard that one? How about I do uh, this one? Nope, I got nothing. <laughs> Mitch's samples fail again. Dang it. You can't hear that? No, I can't. Uh, all right, guys. Yeah. Pretend like okay. we're playing you out. Everyone. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. The audio listeners will get the musical cue here. Here. <laughs>